to. Um, these studies will be best if you all participate. I know some of you have been at least preparing by reading some in First and Second Chronicles, and you'll uh, undoubtedly learn as we go as well. When you have comments and questions and so forth, speak up. We're a pretty good-sized group. That may be a little intimidating, but I don't think anybody in here bites. So uh, let's try to, to edify each other, encourage each other. Um, First Chronicles is probably not the book that you uh, would, on initial reading, find the most exciting. And uh, for that reason, we probably haven't read it very much. You probably haven't heard of it much. And uh, there's a lot of hidden things in First Chronicles that nobody ever talks about. So I think that'll be interesting for us. Um, we are not going to start uh, First Chronicles by memorizing the uh, genealogies here or anything that way. In fact, we're not, we're not going to read a lot of this uh, in detail um, because we don't need to to get the point out of it. In fact, I think the point of some of this is not to try to read it in detail, but try to understand the point of the details that are given. And so what we'll do as we go through First Chronicles is we will study some chapters and spend quite a bit of time on them. We'll study some chapters, and we won't spend hardly any time on them. And uh, we'll try to understand their function, but we're not going to try to belabor uh, things that don't need to be belabored. I'm really hoping that we can do almost all of First and Second Chronicles. There's some really cool stuff in Second Chronicles as well that I would like for us to get to and be able to study. And for that reason, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time just trying to uh, go through things that, that may not uh, be all that profitable to us. Uh, so, let's look at uh, First Chronicles. We start with Adam, and we start going through a genealogy. Now, there's some things that uh, we can see right off the bat. One is that God is in control of history and that he knows exactly where he's going. And as we start with Adam that he created, he's directing history down toward a goal. And he more or less, the, the author of First Chronicles, that we don't know who it is, more or less summarizes for us the history of uh, several thousand years by means of genealogy. And uh, so he's really focusing on Israel, the nation of Israel, but he starts that focus on the nation of Israel by starting at the very beginning with Adam. Um, Acts 17.26 says that God made from one all the, all the races of man, men. All families, all uh, nations are uh, relatives. They're all joined together through Adam. And uh, when you start in the New Testament, which gospel links Jesus all the way back to Adam? Matthew. No. Luke. Luke, yes. Matthew links him all the way back to where? Abraham, that's right. But Luke goes all the way back to Adam, giving the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3. And so this kind of reminds you of that. Um, God's plan for redeeming man uses the nation of Israel in a special way, but uses Israel in a special way to bless all the nations of the earth. So it is appropriate to give this history of Israel, starting all the way back with Adam, to include all the nations of men. We are really linking here the story of the people of God with the history of the world as a whole. Israel's a part of world history. So we go Adam, and what's he doing in verses 1 through 3? He's just got a list of names. What are these names? Father, son, Father, son grandson, great-grandson. Write down 
uh, to, to Lamech. We don't know if these genealogies are complete. There are many incomplete gene genealogies in the Bible. That is, there are steps omitted. That may be the case here. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. Um, the most prominent biblical number is what? And who's the seventh uh, generation? Enoch. And what's special about Enoch? He didn't die. And who else is that true of in the Bible? Elijah. Um, we come down to verse 4, we have Noah, and then we start looking in a different way. The next three names after Noah are what? His three sons. Sometimes these genealogies are vertical. They go down the generations. Sometimes they're horizontal. They spread out over the, the various brothers and, and siblings. And so that's what we do, Noah, and then it gives his three sons. Now from there we have the children of Noah. Um, in verses 5 through 7, we have the children of who? The children of who in 5 through 7? Japheth. In 8 through 16, the children of who? Ham. And in 17 to 23, the children of whom? Shem. Now, in this particular case, we look in chapter 1 first at those that are not the principal genealogy before we look at the one that's more central to the Jewish race. Wh which of Noah's sons was the ancestor of the Jewish nation? Shem. So we deal with Japheth and Ham first, and then we come to Shem in verse 17. That's true in chapter 1. It will be just the opposite in chapter 2 and following. But here in chapter 1, we look first at the, the uh, sort of the lines that are not the central line that leads to Abraham. So we look at the children of Japheth in 5 through 7. Does anybody know more or less where the, the people of Japheth went as they migrated, what direction they went, or what areas they populated? Anybody studied that? More to the north. They're more in Europe and uh, up in northern Asia. It's more in that area. Then you've got the descendants of Ham in 8 through 16. And does anybody know what area is Ham more populated? Africa and the area around the land of Canaan. Now, there's a couple of uh, notes here that are worth noting. One is the sons of Ham directly in verse 8. Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Now, Canaan was cursed as a result of Ham's sin. Perhaps Canaan had some participation in Ham's sin. Um, does anyone know in what way the curse against Canaan was fulfilled? Who fulfilled the curse against Canaan? Some of you know that. Well, I'm saying in the historical outworking of that, who actually executed the judgment against Canaan? Who did God use to do that? Yeah. Joshua, exactly. As the Israelites went into the land of Canaan, what did they do? They destroyed the power of the Canaanites. That was the fulfillment of that curse. But look at verse 10. Um, among the sons of Cush was Nimrod. 
and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. Uh, so he is a, a prominent figure that uh, is noteworthy. Um, you might notice that in 17.8, God makes David a great one, like, like the great ones that are on the earth. David becomes a nimrod. He becomes a great one on the earth. And so that's the descendants of Canaan. Now in 17 to 23, you've got the descendants of Shem. And again, you have a note or two about that. In verse 19, two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg. For in his days, the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. wonder what he's talking about, in his days, the earth was divided. When was the earth divided? I think so. I think this is a reference to the Tower of Babel. In his days, there was the division. How did God divide the earth in the Tower of Babel? Yeah, exactly. He confused the languages, and we remember that story. Um, and the name Peleg it means like divided, and so it uh, is a reference to, to that. And then when we come from 20, 24 to 27, you've got just another list of names again. What are these names? What's the relationship between them? Yeah, this is, this is father, son, grandson, just like we were looking at in 1 through 3. Shem begat Arpaxad that begat Shelah and so forth. And we come right down to the one we really want to focus on in verse 27, which was Abram. And his name, of course, as you know, was changed to Abraham. And it's through him, then, that God is going to bless all these nations that are populating the earth. So now we come down to Abraham's descendants, and in 28 to 34, uh, we look at those. In 28 to 31, we have the genealogy, or really 29 to 31, we have the genealogy through which son of Abraham? Ishmael. In 32 and 33, we have the descendants of Abraham through which wife? Keturah. Did you know Abraham was married to Keturah? Or at least she was a concubine. There might be some question about that. But that was a third uh, wife for Abraham. And then in 34, we have the sons of Abraham through which wife? Sarah. So it's the ones through Hagar, the ones through Keturah, and the ones through Sarah. Obviously, which ones are more important for our story? Through Sarah. And so again, we dispose of the sort of the off lines before we focus in on the one that we're really going to look at, and that is the family of Isaac uh, through, a, uh, that, through Abraham and Sarah. Now, Isaac had two sons in verse 34, Esau and, and uh, Israel. What was Israel's other name? Jacob. And so we're going to look first at which ones in 35 to 42. 35 actually is 54. Esau. These are the descendants through Esau. And uh, they include some descendants and also some of the kings that were in. There's some seats right up here if you want to come up here. You're welcome to. Um, the descendants uh, uh, of the, the territory where Esau ended up migrating to. The descendants of Esau were called what eventually? Edom. The Edomites. Exactly. And so we have some of the people from around Edom as well in 43 through 54. Okay, do you have any questions or comments on First uh, Chronicles chapter 1? 
If anyone, uh, has anyone bothered to memorize all the genealogies? Uh, I'd be glad to have a recital if anyone would like to. Uh, you can't even pronounce the name. Yeah, all right. So that's the point. We've moved from Adam down to the descendants of Abraham, and that's what we're going to look at uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Really, that's probably not the best chapter division. I mean, that, that fits in with Esau. You have 134, the sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. The descendants of Esau are 35 to 54. The descendants of Israel, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you recognize those names in chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, don't you? Those become essentially the 12 tribes. We'll perhaps talk about that a little bit more later on. Um, and so would somebody read uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4? The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, and Sheba. These three were born to him by Bathsheba, the, Canaanite, the Canaanitess. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, so he put him to death. And Tamar, his daughter-in-law, bore him Perez and Zerah. Judah had five sons in all. Okay, now, he named the twelve sons of Israel, and we immediately start focusing on which of those sons? Judah. Now we're observing a different principle. We're starting with the most important one now. In chapter 1, we got rid of the offshoots before we went to the main line. Starting in chapter 2, we're going to look at the main one first, and then we'll deal with the others. Why is Judah the main one? Jesus comes through Judah. What other very important Old Testament character came through Judah? David. And so that's why we're focusing on Judah, even from the standpoint of Chronicles. Who was, First and Second Chronicles were probably written in the period after the return from captivity. They didn't have Jesus. They knew he'd come through Judah. But David was a central figure, and the lineage of the kings of Judah came through Judah. There are going to be three tribes that are going to primarily be featured in these genealogies from chapter 2 to chapter 9. Has anybody glanced through those? Besides Judah, what are the other two tribes primarily featured? Levi and Benjamin. Now, why would you take Judah, Levi, and Benjamin and make those the main focuses? Well, Levi, was important. Levi was important because Priest. the priestly tribe, Judah the kingly tribe, and Benjamin? Benjamin was the tribe of the first king. I'm not so sure that's the main reason Benjamin was important. That's also true, but I'm pretty confident that's not the main reason it was important. <laughs> it, I, Benjamin was the one with Judah when they were divided. That's important, but I think there may be another reason why they mentioned Benjamin at more length. That's true. There's something else, I think. He was the baby, that's true. Yeah, excellent. I wonder if it's not because Benjamin is the tribe where Jerusalem was. And in this whole books of, of First and Second Chronicles, we're going to have a lot of emphasis on Jerusalem. A lot of emphasis on Jerusalem. A lot of emphasis on the priests and a lot of emphasis on the kings. You're going to see that until 
you have seen that very thoroughly if you stay for these studies. So I think that may be the reason. Uh, you can think about that as we go through and see what you think. But we are focusing now on, uh, on Judah. And Judah ended up with how many sons? Five sons. Now he has these five sons in sort of not very good ways. Um, because the two mothers for these five sons, there'd be some question mark about them. Why? One of them uh, was a Canaanitess, and the other one, I guess, was too, but it's even worse. She was his daughter-in-law. You remember that whole story about uh, Judah not giving his third son to her after the first two have have died, and uh, she dresses up like a prostitute, and Judah goes into her, and she bears twins by Judah. Isn't it strange that God would select this son of uh, Israel, who has five children in rather uh, un, um, uh, you know, not very edifying ways? Why would he choose somebody like that? Why not choose somebody whose lineage is pure? Maybe he didn't have that option. I'm not sure any of these brothers were all that spiritual. But God often does that. This symbolizes perhaps the fact that Jesus was going to bless Gentiles and bless those who were immoral. I mean, you know, God's not always selecting here on the basis of virtue and moral purity. God uses people like Judah, who really probably was not all that uh, spiritual. Now, there is another reason in the history of the Old Testament why Judah was the one through whom the blessing was passed. Normally, you would expect the blessing to be passed through which son? The oldest. But Judah was not the oldest. Judah was the which oldest? Fourth oldest. What happened to Numbers 1 through 3? They got in big trouble. The oldest was... Reuben, and he got in trouble because, yeah, he slept with his father's concubines, and numbers two and three were Simeon and Levi, and they got in trouble because they had revenge on the Shechemites, uh, and uh, because of that story with their sister Dinah in Genesis chapter 34, and so Reuben uh, was not enabled to, to have the blessing pass through him, Neither were Simeon and Levi. In fact, Simeon and Levi were cursed in a way that they were going to be scattered throughout the tribes. Simeon, because he didn't really have a territorial inheritance, he just had some cities inside of Judah, and Levi, because Levi didn't really have a territorial inheritance, what did Levi have? 48 cities, because they were the Levites that were spread out to teach the people. Uh, so Judah's the next one, and Judah's the one through whom the blessing was passed. Um, okay. Do you have some questions and comments through chapter 2, verse 4? All right, so we're going to examine uh, the descendants of Judah in more detail. Um, and we have um, in verses 3 and 4, the descendants, the five children, the five sons of Judah... Now in verses 5 through 8, we have who? The descendants through whom? Well, which son? Perez. And uh, so 
Perez was the uh, was the the kind of the main line through here, uh, and we see that in verse five. Actually, in verses six and following, you have the descendants through Zera also. So you have the ones through Tamar in verses five through eight, um, and then uh, starting in verses uh, verse ten, you have the sons through Ram. Now let's see if we can. I'm going to sort this out a little bit. If you take Zira in uh, verse 6, look at Zira's five sons. No, let me go back up. Look at verse 5. Look at Perez's two sons. One of his sons in verse 9 is Hezron. So that makes Hezron what to Judah? Grandson. Now we're going to focus in on Hezron's sons, what are they to Judah? Great-grandsons, you know your uh, uh, degree of uh, family relationship well. Uh, Jeremiel, Ram, and Chelubai, but he becomes Caleb in, in the rest of this. That's just an alternate uh, uh, spelling or whatever. And so we first look at which one in 10 through 17? Ram. Now, Ram is an important great-grandson of Judah because Yes, and he's also important because because if you follow his lineage down, look down to 13, Jesse is the father of several sons, including David, and uh, he has some sisters, and uh, so forth. So we are looking at the primary line first. Judah, through Perez, through Hezron, through Ram, that leads us down to David. Um, you can look carefully at verses 16 and 17. David has two sisters, Zuriah and Abigail, and the three sons of Zuriah are who? Abishai, Joab, and Asahel. Do you remember those three? Those are pretty important in the overall story, aren't they? Which of those three was most prominent? Joab, because he was the commander of the army. What happened to Asahel? He was killed by Abner. What was his claim to fame? He can run like a gazelle. And who was Abishai? Yeah, he was a military man. Uh, he was a hothead and uh, so we read about him quite a bit in the story. And then Abigail, David's other sister, bore Amasa. We know Amasa most because of what? He was killed by Joab. For a short time, he was what? <coughs> Captain of Absalom's, and then for a very short time, even of David's army. Uh, so those are rather important ones in the story. So we've got Ram's descendants, 10 through 17. In 18 to 24, we have the descendants of who? Caleb, look back again to uh, 2.9. It's Jeremiel, Ram, and, and Caleb, let's say. And so we do Rams, now we do Caleb's. Do not confuse this Caleb with this Caleb here, or with the Caleb you know better in the Bible. Do you remember a Caleb in the Bible that you know well? We connect him with who? Joshua and Caleb, not this Caleb, as far as we can tell. And uh, then in 25 to 33, you have the descendants through who? Jeremiel. 
And also we have some additional descendants through Jeremiah in 34 to 41. And then in 42 to 50, we have additional descendants through who? Caleb. And in, uh, actually, 42 to 55, those are additional sons through Caleb. And now in chapter 3, we look at who? David. So we've gone from Ram to Caleb to Jeremiah to Jeremiah to Caleb and back to Ram's family. There's an extended chiasm in chapters 2 through 4 that's a little bigger than that, but that's the heart of it. You go Ram, Caleb, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Caleb, and Ram. But it, when we look at Ram in chapter 3, we're really looking at the descendants of David. Um, now, this is kind of interesting to look at the descendants of David. By the way, do you have anything you want to say on chapter 2? Yeah. All right. The, the center of the chiasm is, are these sons of Hezron. We have the descendants of them. It's Ram in 10 to 17, Caleb in 18 to 24, Jeremiel in 25 to 33, and again in 34 to 41, then back to Caleb in 42 to 55, and then to Ram in chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. Uh, when we come a little bit farther, I'll fill out that chiasm a little bit uh, more for you, but that's the, that's the heart of it. But Rams, we're really looking at David's descendants. Anything else you want to say on chapter 2? Jeremiel. Jeremiel is still, it's still Jeremiel's descendants. Okay. Some, some of these you have to kind of track these down. Uh, but if you track them down, that's what we're dealing with. It's not critical. You don't have to remember all these names. You don't have to know all of this. I'm just trying to kind of go through some highlights and uh, just to give the general gist of this. Um, but any other comments or questions on two? Okay. Three, the sons of David. In 1 through 4, it's the sons of David who were born to him where? And in 5 through 9, the sons who were born to him where? Now, the first sons of David are important, and the order is important. His oldest son was Amnon, then Daniel, who knows what happened to Daniel. He's also called Kiliab, and he doesn't work into the story. I assume he died young. I don't know. But Amnon, then this Daniel that is lost to us. Then the third son was Absalom. And the fourth son, Adonijah. All of those, Amnon, Absalom, and Adonijah, are very important in the story. Amnon was killed by Absalom, which made him the next in line. Absalom was killed by Joab, making Adonijah the one who tried to worm his way into kingship. Adonijah was ultimately killed by who? Benaiah, uh, through Sol uh, Solomon, ordered him killed. That's exactly right. Very good. You guys know that story well. Um, the, the son of David that becomes king isn't even in uh, these original six that were born in Hebron. Uh, it's Solomon in verse 5. Uh, that's born later while he was in Jerusalem. Solomon was certainly not the oldest son of David. And then, so 1 through 9 are the descendants of David, like the sons of David. 10 through 17 are what? 10 through 16, perhaps. Yeah. And this is like the lineage. Son, 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 you know, son, grandson, great-grandson. And, and do these names look familiar in 10 through 16? These are actually what? 
kings. In Second Chronicles, we'll have occasion to look at uh, these fellows. Uh, you might look at chat, uh, verse 15. Those are kind of interesting. They play into the story a little bit later on. And then in 17 to 25, 24, these are the descendants of David, starting with the captivity. In 10 to 16, it's pre-captivity. In 17 to 24, it's the generations of David after the captivity. All right. Do you want to say anything about chapter 3? Is it the same Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the only question mark about that is his, his um, father here is Padiah. Normally we say the father of Zerubbabel was who? Shealtiel. We don't know exactly why there's a discrepancy there. It may well be a leveret marriage. Anybody tell me what a leveret marriage is? Yes, if you die childless, your brother should marry the widow, and the oldest son is your son, the way it's counted. Maybe there was a leveret marriage involved here, and that, for that reason, Zerubbabel was counted as both the son of Padiah and also the son of Shealtiel. There are other possible explanations as well, but yes, I think this would be the same Zerubbabel. All right, Any, uh, anything else you want to say or ask about on chapter 3? Okay, chapter 4, we're still in Judah, but now we're dealing with the sons through Perez. Um, other sons through Perez, I guess I should say. Um, in verses 1 to 20, uh, we have these descendants. And uh, you can look at uh, those. What I want to particularly look at is 9 and 10. Would somebody read 9 and 10? Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, and that thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it be not to my sorrow. And God granted him that which he requested. Okay, you've heard of that, haven't you? It's become popular recently by the prayer of Jabez. Um, but it is actually interesting uh, Jabez uh, was born in pain, uh, but, uh, but what does he do? What does Jabez do that he's famous for here? He prays. he prays. He asks God to bless him. And what does God do? Yeah. Now, that's a central theme of the books of Chronicles, that God answers prayers of those who turn to him. And so that's exactly what we see here. He asks God to bless him and be with him and protect him, and God granted him his request. It's kind of interesting how that's just sort of embedded in the, the series of genealogies, but it's worth uh, noting. Does anybody have a comment or question about that prayer of Jabez or on these points uh, through 4.10? Okay, and so we finish on out various sons of Perez through verse 20. Starting in verse 21, it's the sons of Shelah uh, who are... Um, you know, another, another son of Judah, that's in 21 to 23. Now, if you want to really look at this, come back to chapter 2 for a moment. In chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, you have the list of all the sons of Judah, including Shelah. And then in 5 through 7, you have Perez and Zerah. And then you go to Hezron's, Perez's son, 
the, 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 the chiasm we just gave you, the Ram, Caleb, Jeremiel, Jeremiel, Caleb, Ram. But if you want to broaden it out, then 2, 5 through 8 are Perez and Zerah, and chapter 4, 1 to 20 are the sons of Perez. And 2, three, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 include Shelah, and chapter 4, verses 21 to 23 are Shelah. So you could say it deals with Shelah, Perez, Ram, Caleb, Jeremiel, Jeremiel, Caleb, Ram, Perez, Shelah. I think that's probably by design. I don't think that's really contrived, uh, but you can do what you want to with that. Um, but it's kind of cool. All right, do you have some questions or comments on anything through 423? What significance would that play if it was, I mean, if it was intended by the author to be a chiasm like that? That's a really good question. In this case, I'm not sure that I can give you a significance. Sometimes it really focuses attention on the middle or on the ends. In this case, it may just be a way of organizing it. It may just be sort of a way of, of you know, giving some sort of form to this. If there's something more than that, I'm not sure what it is. I got another question. Yes. We derived the word chiasm from the Greek letter. Yes. E. Well, this is written in Hebrew. Yeah. But that's just our word for it. Okay. Uh, I don't even know if the Greeks use the word chiasm. You're a chiasm, most of, if you've studied with me before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you may not. But a chiasm is the idea of A, B, B, A. If you do A, B, B, A, and you link them, it looks like an X, which is the Greek letter key. And so that's a literary device that in English is known as a chiasm. Uh, but in this case, it would be like A, B, C, D, E, F, F, E, D, C, B, A, or something like that. <laughs> you know, you can have extended chiasms. And some of them are really here, and some of them are contrived, but I think that one's probably really there. You can uh, disagree with that if you want to. But. All right, anything else you want to ask about or say through 423? In chapter 2, where? In chapter 2, verse 50. I don't know. I'd have to go back and uh, research that back through. Uh, that's in what I've got written down as being the descendants of Caleb, so probably we can find that somewhere back up in Caleb's descendants, but I'm not sure about that. What was your question? Uh, look at two, 220. I think that's where we find it. So we come back down and give some more genealogy of her from 220. Other comments or questions? Alright, now we're done with Judah and we move on to other tribes. In chapter 4, verses 24 to 43, it's what tribe? Simeon. Now, where um, where did the Simeonites receive an inheritance? They were scattered in what area? Judah. And you notice in 28 to 33 it gives their cities. That's all that Simeon really had. Um, as as they, they, gave, they had certain cities. Uh, there are several things mentioned about uh, Simeon here. You might look down at like... Uh, uh, 39, 40, 41, uh, some of the things that the Simeonites did as they uh, found places for their uh, flocks and herds and, and lived peacefully. So that's the, the tribe of Simeon. 
Um, any comments or questions about chapter 4? Okay, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, we have who? Reuben. Now, where did Reuben receive an inheritance? The right-hand side of the Jordan River, down on the bottom. Remember, there were two and a half tribes over there. Reuben, half-tribe of Manasseh, and Gad. Reuben was the one down below. Now, would somebody read 1 and 2? Now, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, who was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he, did not, so that he is not enrolled in genealogy according to the birthright. Through Judah, although Judah prevailed over his brother, and from him came the leader, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. All right, that's a really significant passage. It's unfortunate it's embedded right here. People don't notice it. But that really gives you the situation with Jacob's twelve sons. Reuben was the oldest. He did not get either the blessing or the birthright. The blessing was passed through which son? Blessing was passed through which son? Judah. The birthright was passed through which son? Joseph. The birthright meant what? Double portion of the inheritance. Now, in what sense did Joseph get the double portion of the inheritance? His two sons received equal inheritance. Who were Joseph's two sons? Manasseh and Ephraim. Which one was the oldest? Manasseh, which one was dominant? Ephraim. Uh, but but that's, that's the situation there. So uh, this, this sort of gives us the overall uh, accounting for the, uh, the, 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 I guess, the emphasis in Jacob's family. Judah gets the blessing. Joseph gets the double, double portion. Joseph was actually son number what? Eleven. Why would he get the birthright? He was the oldest son of the favorite wife. Who was the favorite wife? Rachel. So he was the one who got priority because of that. Um, notice also down in uh, 510, in the days of Saul, they made war with the Hagrites who fell by their hands so that they occupied their tents throughout all the land east of Gilead. We're going to look at those a little bit more a little later on also. But who would the Hagarites probably have descended from? Hagar. Hagar, yeah. That's probably the case. All right. Any questions or comments through 510 and Reuben? Yes. All right. We take time out for station identification.